Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey-West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we're reviewing another Best Picture-nominated movie, and that is All Quiet on the Western Front, based uh, slightly on the book. There are some differences, though, which we will go over. Also, there was another uh, version of this movie that came out a long, long time ago. Um, And so this movie... Uh, is uh, kind of a, not really a remake. It's again, it's different than the book and that and the first mm-hmm. movie. So and they've done this is the third one that they've done. Okay, third but we iteration. We have more facts show. about it later, but this is the first one that's done by Germans because the book is about Germans. Yeah, so yes. we will be talking about that movie on the show today. Again, a Best Picture nominee. So we'll mention all of the Oscars it's nominated for in just a little bit. First, though, for news, there is a trailer out for a new Netflix movie called The Hulu. Boston. Oh, sorry, Hulu. Uh, it's I know. The Boston Strangler. Sneaky. So, I am so excited for this. Uh, all my true fan, true crime fans out there, um, Boston Strangler, very famous case, happened in the '60s. Um, there's a Kira Knightley and Carrie Coon are in it. And is it Carrie Coons or Carrie Coon? It's Coons. I think it's Coon. Yeah. Is it Coon? just one? Yeah. I think it's just one. Yeah. Thank there's no you. S. Yeah. I'm fact check this. But okay. she's married to Tracy Letts. So. Okay. Anyway, Carrie, I, yeah, it's Coon. Sorry, it's Coon. It's not plural. Anyway, they're in Boston Strangler. It is very appropriately going to be released on Martin or <laughs> Martin Luther King Day. No, St. Patrick's Day, which is March 17th, everyone. So I'm really excited and it, it looks good. And I was surprised, Jared. I also thought it was Netflix. It's Hulu. Okay. So I'm impressed that Hulu got this though. They might be putting more money into things to try to compete. Yeah. They've, they've, they've stepped up their movie game a little bit recently. They've had yeah. some, some good ones uh, that have been on Hulu. So they're definitely a def- uh, player in the, in the movie game for sure. So also, only other news item is that Rihanna is going to be performing at the Oscars. That was announced earlier today when we were recording this. She's going to perform Lift Me Up from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which is nominated so for Best cool. Song. So I really hope they get all the song nominees to perform this year because like Lady Gaga is nominated for Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick. I just yeah. think this is some years they have the artists perform the song. Some years they don't. I think this is a year where there's enough big names in there that if you had everybody perform the best song nominees, that that could be cool. So, but then I think about like how they're going to do all the awards, and I just think how are they going to fill this? And and they're also competing with nobody cares about awards anywhere anyway. I mean, yeah. I care, but I'm probably it's like the Super Bowl. Sometimes I really I like football, but I'm I'm much more there for the halftime show and the commercials, and the Oscars. I'm there basically to see celebrities in like a fishbowl environment and see their fashion like and, and yell see the, at the big screen. winners yeah yeah but yell at the screen because usually the ones i want to win don't win anyway so or people win and then i just cry so i'm i'm there for a lot of different reasons but i do think that they have to consider how to keep people interested and making yeah, it six hours long or something it's gonna, gonna be, be a that. long show i think so yeah. um my thing that i would that i would cut from the oscars is like the comedy bits that they do yes like, we don't need i it. don't need those like do no. the monologue whoever's hosting do your monologue and then after that just come out every so often intro some people yeah you know get the That's awards it. done but like when they do bits in the middle of the show i'm like we're already two hours in we don't we, yeah. everybody's just waiting to see what wins 
best picture, really? best actor, best actress. We don't need this. So they should follow like the SNL model. I mean, we get a monologue at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Then yep. they could introduce like the musical acts or whatever, and then that's it. That's all we need you then for. Say get goodnight at the end, and we're done. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yes, Rihanna will be performing at the Oscars. Uh, corrections: We have no corrections this week. Recommendations: I started. Allison and I started watching um, the Perfect Match on Netflix, <gasps> you which you recommended. Yeah, so well, I've already caught up on this week's installments. I watched four episodes already. <laughs> we only watched one. We just watched it before we started recording. So, well, well next week I got to get my next dose. They're releasing them on the twenty eighth. I think. I think it's okay. Tuesdays that they're releasing them. Man, so. Yeah, if you don't know, Katie talked about it a little bit on the last episode, but it's bringing people together from all these Netflix reality shows like Love is Blind and The Circle and Too Hot to Handle and a couple other shows as well and seeing if they can find a compatible match since they didn't on those shows, seeing if they can maybe find a match in this show. So, and everybody's very attractive and um, there's a little bit more of a game show element to this one than like Love is Blind or... Too hot to handle, even I would say. Yeah. They do and like some gets, more challenges. Yeah. Jared, it gets pretty cutthroat. I'm pretty okay. surprised at the people that have come and gone at this point. Um, it's okay. interesting. And I Good definitely have I have a couple people that I just straight up loathe. So we'll see how you feel about it, but I'm glad you're watching it. Yeah. So uh, I'll keep you updated on how that how that goes. So awesome. My only recommendation is <laughs> I haven't even watched the first episode yet, but I'm so excited that John Oliver is back last week tonight with John Oliver. Um, so I have, and if you are someone that I get HBO, but if you don't get HBO, they also kindly upload the episodes to YouTube. So if you want to see just whatever topic he's discussing for the evening, that is on YouTube and you can see it the day after it airs, which is great. So that's usually what I use. But if you've never watched that show, I think John Oliver is hilarious. He's so charming. He swears a lot. It's HBO. But it it consistently wins best like show at what is it? The Emmys every year. That's like the yeah, long best joke too that he keeps variety winning. show or whatever yeah. it gets nominated for. But yeah. it is so well researched, well written, and it teaches really serious topics like things they find things that are so out of left field that i'm like i didn't even know this was something i needed to care about and then they have some very mainstream things but you genuinely get an education on the show so i can't recommend it enough again that's last week tonight with john oliver on hbo yeah they have a very unique way of presenting sometimes complicated subjects or unfamiliar subjects in a very easy to understand way that's also funny. Um, so yeah, props to the writers and the crew on that show because they'll talk, like you said, they'll talk about things sometimes that I know nothing about, but then it's really interesting and I watched the whole you know, 20, 25 minute segment or whatever they did that night. So yeah, check out last week. I mean, I feel like if you if you like last week tonight, you probably are watching it. But if you haven't watched it, like Katie said, you can find a lot of the past episodes on YouTube for the for the big topics. So Okay, we'll get into our review now of All Quiet on the Western Front, released October 7th, the limited release, and then October 28th, streaming on Netflix. Although this has really picked up some steam in the last couple of months. When this dropped on Netflix, did not hear a lot of people talking about it, but over the last couple of months, uh, with its Oscar nominations, with its wins at the BAFTAs, people are definitely starting to pay attention to this movie a little bit more as we get closer to the Academy Awards. So... It's rated R for strong, bloody war violence and gris- grisly images, and it's two hours and 28 minutes. IMDb is a 7.8 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes critics, 91%. Audience, 90%. 
and box office. Netflix hasn't shared the box office, so no info on the box office Mm -hmm. as of right now. Um, And nothing listed on box office mojo. So Netflix keeping that to themselves. So um, also synopsis, if you don't know, is a young German soldier's terrifying experiences and distress on the Western Front during World War One. So. Very good. And this is, of course, based on a book. We will talk about that a little later. We have some fun facts for you, but it is based on a book. I think it was written in 1929. Um, and the gentleman's name is Eric Maria Raymark. Okay. Very nice. Yes. Do you remember when the, orig- the original movie, it looks like, came out in 1930? I think it's 1930. Yeah. Yes. And, and then, then they the... made another one in the 40s, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think the 70s, actually. That's what oh, I, maybe it was I the see 70s. here. So, yes. So it looks like 19... 19- I do like... I 1930, do think 1979. Spread, yeah, yeah, and they've spread out the remake. I mean, I'm always not really going to be a fan of remakes, but I do think they've actually left a pretty good amount of time in between the remakes where it's it's a story that they kind of can keep alive and have a very different take on it each time. Yeah, it's been like 50 years between each yeah. one, a little bit more than that, uh, depending on the, obviously 30 and 79 is 49 years, and then this one's a little bit longer than 50 years. But yeah, that's, I think, that's a long time to go. And, you know, being able to make a remake where people have forgotten about the original movie or have not seen the original movie. So yeah, definitely all in, all for making remakes of movies that were maybe, you know, made a long time ago that it would be fitting to make a remake of instead of something that came out like four years ago and they're like, we're rebooting this, um, yes. you know, come up with some new ideas there. So it's directed by Edward Berger, who is a German writer and director known for Jack and the TV series Deutschland 83. And he's currently nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay for this particular movie. And next up, he will direct a TV miniseries of The 39 Steps. I feel like there's been 18 adaptations of The 39 Steps. I know, but I really (laughs) enjoy The 39 Steps. I was excited. I was like, oh, I would watch that. And I've seen it done as a play, too. It's so it's a great story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is interesting. So and this movie is nominated for nine Oscars, including Best Picture, Makeup and Hairstyling, Original Score. Best Sound, Visual Effects, Adapted Screenplay, Cinematography, Production Design, and Best International Film. I'm going to say uh, right now, with that many nominations, if you're a betting person, I definitely think they're going to get at least one of those. It's winning something. I think it it probably will win Best International Film. I think that too. Oh, yeah. Jared, I think we talked about this, but for the people listening... Um, if, I might have told Arjun this. I can't remember. If you if you all remember the year Roma was big, I remember Roma like people saying it was going to win Best Picture, but I remember it won Best International Film. I could see, and I'm not always right, so take this with a grain of salt. I could see this definitely winning Best International, but not getting Best Picture. But I could see this being. I think this is a top contender for Best Picture. I don't yeah, know I, that it's going to win, but International, I'd I'd put my money on that. I think it has, yeah, I think it has a good chance at Best Picture. And then I think it has a good chance at cinematography, production oh, yeah. design, yeah. Um, score. I, what, lots I of wondered about sound. Those. Yeah. But then Top Gun, is that nominated? Because I could see Top Gun. I think it is, yeah. Doing really well with that. So who knows? Usually, but war movies, war movies always do well. With the sound. Yeah, usually big war or action movies are going to win yeah. the sound categories yeah. because there's just so much more sound that you have to put in them so right. it's like harder from a from a working on it standpoint to like include all those yeah. sounds in there so but then i think top gun maverick how much sound was involved in that mm-hmm. wow. yep yeah. so 
We'll have to wait and see. I mean, they're doing all the categories on TV this year, so we're going to see all of them. You guys. Yeah. Uh, We will take a quick break here on the show. We'll come back. We'll talk about the cast, uh, the differences between the book and this particular film uh, adaptation, and also our likes and dislikes for All Quiet on the Western Front. And we're back here on All Quiet, uh, we're back on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about All Quiet (laughs) on the Western Front for this particular episode, nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. This movie has a uh, German cast, but the Mm -hmm. lead man in this movie is actually Austrian. Yes! The lead actor is Felix Kammerer. He plays Paul Baumer in the film. He is an Austrian actor and the son of two opera singers. Fascinating. This, Jared, this is his first major motion picture. That's crazy. Couldn't believe it. I double checked. I looked on IMDb and you I looked sounded at a like couple articles. Tom Hanks there from Elvis. Did I? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> this is the greatest show. No. <laughs> no. But I'm I'm so impressed that this is his first. He has done a lot of theater work though. Like I looked at his IMDb and I read a couple articles. He's definitely done okay. established himself in the theater world. Um, next up, we have Albrecht Schusch. He plays Stanislaus Katzinski. He is a German actor best known for the TV miniseries Mitten in Deutschland, NSU, Berlin, Alexander Platz, and System Crasher. He was nominated for a Best Supporting Actor BAFTA this year for his role in this film. And currently, he doesn't have any upcoming projects listed yet. And something I needed to mention is if you look at Albrecht's IMDb page, wow, (laughs) I just want to do a slow clap for the photo, the actor photo that he has. I don't know who took it. I don't know who's responsible, but good Lord. Um, So any ladies who listen to this podcast or men who, who enjoy a good looking man, please go look at his imdb photo and it is a good picture yeah it is he's like it's dark and mysterious it's black and white he has spiky hair but i will say although he's all the men in this movie really were quite attractive the Mm -hmm. lead actors um the picture the imdb picture that i would slow clap for he doesn't look like that in any of the other photos i don't know if it's i think it's his haircut that changed significantly but yeah but that photo Wow. I mean, I jaw dropped for a minute. So <laughs> it was important that we mentioned it on the pod. Okay, moving on. I'm going to cool down over here. Um, lastly, we have Aaron Hilmer. He plays Albert Kropp in the film. He is also a German actor, best known for The Most Beautiful Girl in the World and the two TV series, The Peppercorns and The Island. Next up, he will be in the TV series Luden. And then this movie stars... Uh, there's a supporting cast. There's a lot of people that I've never heard of before, but the one person I recognized was Daniel Bruhl. Um, I'll mention him last, but you would definitely probably recognize him for some from some things. This movie is also starring Moritz Klaus, Adrian Grunwald, Eden Hasanovic, and then Daniel Bruhl. And Daniel has been in uh, Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. I think he was in a Marvel movie or two as well. Oh, I think, I think he, he was, was in one as of well. the. Yeah, it was one of the. Um, Avengers or Captain America or something. Anyway, you would know him. Um, But the supporting cast was really good. They were. Yeah, everybody in this movie does a really good job. So um, before we get to our likes and dislikes, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the differences between the book and also this movie. And Katie, you did a little bit of research and found a couple of different articles that talked about what was accurate in the movie compared to the book and what they had changed, you know, for this, for this adaptation or remake of the movie. So 
Yes. And I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. I was really taken aback in the best way by this movie because I told Jared, I think I mentioned this on a podcast two weeks ago, maybe two episodes ago. Um, I read the book. I was made to read the book in high school. I remember the class. It was my favorite teacher. Um, but I didn't love the book, but I think it was because A, I was being forced to read it and B, it was about World War One and men. And I was like, I don't relate to this. And it's just depressing. That being said, I thought this movie, I was so interested in this movie and moved by it. And then I read, I did a bunch of research, which I normally don't care about reading a ton of extra things after watching a movie for the podcast. And then I took it a step further last night. I even bought on Kindle the book again so I could okay. read it because I was so interested in this film. It kind of reminded me of Dune, how like Dune surprised me so much. I feel like this is my, maybe my year's Dune. <laughs> <laughs> um, not as far as I don't think this is going to be like favorite film of the year or anything, but I'm some, some subjects that normally wouldn't interest me. I'm surprised when they really grab my attention. So anyway, I found this to be fascinating and I'll tell you more of what I found. And there's two articles I will reference. One is on screenrant.com. The article is all quiet on the Western front book versus movie biggest differences by Kieran Devlin. And then there's an article on historycolorado.org called A German Lens on All Quiet on the Western Front by Dr. Chris Jurgens, And both of those were very well written. Um, and uh, there's a lot of quotes in here from them. So firstly, this book was originally written by Eric Maria Remarque, who I mentioned earlier. Um, and it's like Remarque, it's like the French spelling. It's R-E-M-A-R-Q-U-E. -E. And again, I think it was published in 1929. Uh, this version of the movie is the third movie adaptation, but it's the first to be directed, produced, and starring Germans, which is interesting because this movie is told from a German perspective. And it's totally okay. If, if you all know this, great. I will say I had to remind myself, unfortunately, why we joined World War I um, and also who allies and stuff were. And if anybody was wondering, we got in a little later. And also, we were definitely against what the Germans were doing. So we were not uh, we were not friends with them in this war. Um, and not that it matters, but we were on the side that did ultimately win the war in World War One. Yes. And then this uh, book and movie both follow the main character, Paul. So that doesn't change between the book and the movie. And then in the book, there's an inspiring teacher at the at Paul's school who convinces who convinces Paul to join the army in the movie. It's kind of just, they've decided to join the army. You don't really know a lot of the reason behind that, but they're there, you know, the movie kind of starts in there. They're joining the army basically. So, but in the book, there's some, there's some backstory there as to why that did occur. So, and then in the book too, Paul gets an eight day home leave and it's a pivotal part of the story where he reflects on his childhood and he realizes that his life will never be the same and his passions have disappeared and his family can't relate to the horrors that he's dealing with. Obviously that doesn't flow super great for a movie to have all yeah. this big buildup and this action and then like take you out of that for 20 or 30 minutes and then get back to it. So I can see why they did not include that in the, in the film. Yep. Um, and then some more facts as well. Uh, Mateus, who is Daniel Bruhl's character was a real person and a politician. And he attempted to negotiate a ceasefire with the French, but that's fully left out of the, of the movie. Yes, not and the, in there at all. The French were allies with us. Um, so Daniel D Daniel Bruhl, um, his character was a real German man. So he was trying to negotiate, but they they wouldn't do it. 
And then Kat's death in the novel and the movie takes the last of the fight out of Paul. But in the book, he dies from shrapnel in his leg. And on the way to the doctor, he gets hit by more shrapnel in his head and his brain. So that's Isn't that different. Isn't so sad? Yeah, it's very like, sad. He might have lived, but then he gets... But uh, the article that I was reading about that was just saying how trivial it was. Like how it's like he had almost survived the entire war. And this is what took him out. Um, and the same thing happened with Paul. Paul is the the difference in Paul's um, death is also the same. Okay. And speaking of Paul's death, um, that is a big difference. In the book, Paul dies in October 1918, which is just a month before the armistice, which sucks. Um However, I did forget this. I was appreciative of the reminder. The cause of death is never revealed in the book. And the novel just changes to third person. So there's no like, and then Paul's world went black and he died. Like it just changes. Um, But this is what's fascinating that I forgot that I, I especially enjoy when the title relates to the movie, but you don't really like you kind of have to be an insider to know why the title is what it is. So according to Devlin's article, that's the one on Screen Rant. This is a quote. The quiet on the Western front that Raymark writes of signifies that Paul did not die among the screams of shells and gunfire, but in whatever passes for peace in the trenches. It is a poignant, pertinently somber way to end the book. And Dr. Jurgens, that's the other article, describes it this way, quote, an anonymous narrator finishes the novel by noting that Paul was killed in action in October 1918, roughly a month before the end of the war. That day was so unremarkable along the front line that the official report was limited to nothing to report, nothing new to report in the West, which is why it's all quiet on the Western front. And it depends to what translation you're reading because it's reversed. You know, it's like the French and Germans and stuff. They'll reverse a lot of how they say things. It's opposite of how we would say it. So saying nothing new to report in the West, we would just say all quiet on the Western front. Anyway. And then also as well, um, according to Dr. Jurgens, all quiet on the Western front was informed by Remark's own experience as a soldier in the war. Thank you. And then our final uh, remark that I learned from these articles, this is a quote from Dr. Jurgens. If you're looking for a film to showcase some of the horrors of trench warfare, then Berger's vision is a good choice. If you're looking for a treatment closer to Raymark's original story, it's best to look to the older attempts to tell this story. Um, and I have a lot to say about that. It definitely affected how much I liked the film, but I appreciate how he wrapped that up because some people don't care. And also some people are never going to read the book and don't have an interest in it. Either way, this I think this is a great movie that shows the horrors of war. It's not like we need to be convinced that war is terrible, um, but it's also you don't have to read the book to understand what's going on in the film. But if anybody is wondering, even though I didn't love being forced to read the book in high school, it's a great book and it is definitely considered a classic among many people. And I also find it exciting. It was banned in Germany for quite a long time because they were upset. It didn't paint them in a good light. Um, and I love a good banned book. If something has been banned, I want to read it because usually that means there's truth and people don't like the truth getting out. And I just love that so much.
And now we'll get into our likes and dislikes for All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, I think the first like that we both agree on is that this is a very interesting story. Um, it's, you know, you wrote in the notes that it's the same length as Tar, but a thousand percent better. Like almost um, to the minute. It's almost exactly the same length as Tar. But yes. this was infinitely more interesting. I would definitely agree. I think that this movie in particular is just has a way more interesting story. The characters are way more interesting. There's more Mm -hmm. of them to follow. So I agree with you there that I think this story is really a big standout for this particular movie. And it's very engaging the whole time. So um, and I watched this movie. So I watched this movie in German with the English subtitles. Yeah. And I know you can watch it. That was one of our likes, too, is that you can watch it a lot of different ways. I know you watched the dubbed version. Yeah, but it didn't even give me an option, which is weird. Okay. Like, I just clicked on it on Netflix, and I thought, I wonder if I'm going to have to change it. And it was in English, but I could tell. And I actually couldn't tell it was dubbed until about 30 minutes in. And I saw, because that's another thing they did a good job of. A lot of times, you're not even seeing people talk up close. So you don't even recognize that it's dubbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's it's. I went back and forth. I ultimately liked the German version better, so I stuck with yeah. that just because I think I liked hearing the actors in the movie, their um, voice and their expressions and things yeah. of that nature. So I yeah. would have liked that as well. Um, I certainly don't mind a subtitled movie because I also went in expecting it to be subtitles, so I didn't have any distractions. I didn't look at my phone. I was fully into this movie um and then another thing i wanted to say about this movie that again reminds me kind of of dune or my my appreciation of the movie dune this is a movie about men i exclusively about men you only know there's a woman involved because somebody has sex with her but sorry i probably should have done a warning in case this is a family show that's a part of life um anyway (laughs) but you you don't there's no women they just like don't matter in this film um, and someone who loves female stories and women in general and equality, normally I wouldn't be drawn to this. And especially war movies. I I get very exhausted very quickly with war movies and books. But this was fascinating. And another thing that I put as a specific like that is part of the reason I liked this so much is that it's about World War One. I. I mean, I told you, embarrassingly, that I had to remind myself of why we even got involved in World War One. But I think that's a good sign if you're talking about a historical event that doesn't get talked about a lot. It's nice to be reminded of something like this so people can be educated on the history um, and especially how how bad it was. And we have so many like World War Two movies. So it's nice to see like 1917 is a World War One movie. But yes. before this movie in 1917, we didn't have a whole lot that were World War One. We had a lot of World War Two movies. Definitely. So. That's what I get exhausted at is World War Two. And mm-hmm. I mean, I care. I care about that. And also there are people today that are alive still that that impacted. And there's children of people who were impacted by World War Two. So that's more relevant, of course. Um but it's interesting to hear about all the stuff that happened before. And I also found it very interesting. Um, this is another like, so I'll just keep it going here. Another like of mine was how um, topical I found this to be because of especially Ukraine and Russia. Because I was just thinking, you know, that's been in the news lately. It's been a year now, like a year. And that was supposed to be a three-day invasion and, you know, Russia's being a fool. But it's interesting that that's still going on and horrifying. Um, you know, and we have new disasters to contend with, uh, major earthquakes and things in Turkey and Syria, stuff like that going on. But we're still 
trying to help our friends in Ukraine. Um, but I just, it's also scary to see how bad wars were, like World War One and Two, and then see that we're still going to war in different places. Like, why? It's awful. Yeah, it does. It definitely does have a lot of relevance to today because of that current world situation. So um, another like that I had for this movie is that I thought that this movie did a really good job of focusing on the mental aspect of war. You don't see that in a lot of war movies. It's more about the physical, the fighting, um, the, you know, blood and gore. And this movie definitely has that. But I think what it what makes it stand out is it's focus on the mental side of things as well um, and just how much it can take an effect on you. Um, like Felix, who's in the who plays Paul in the lead role. I mean, he goes through a lot of different emotions in this movie. He loses friends. He loses people uh sometimes in a lengthy death like it takes them a while for them to die sometimes they die immediately and there's no time to process it so i and it it's interesting to me too how the beginning of the movie this this group of guys they're all very excited to go to the war there oh yeah um they think it's going to be fun and they're fighting for their country and they think it's going to be a cool experience and then they get there they quickly realize it's not really going to be that and even in that first fight sequence, when they're like all just freaking out, um, I thought that it was just very well done from the from the mental side of things in terms of just how much an effect that takes on you mentally. And obviously, I've never experienced it, but you hear about people with PTSD mm-hmm. um, and and uh, mental effects from being involved in a in a war. So I thought that was really really a good aspect to highlight. What a great. A call out, Jared, because also that is something that they do focus on in the book, um, specifically that scene that they didn't include. And I saw they cu- they didn't do that because of time, more than likely mm-hmm. because the movie was already so long. But when Paul goes back to see his family and things, that's like he's reminded of like his innocence and his childhood. And another thing is the draft. We didn't have, you know, it wasn't like in Vietnam and things. It wasn't like you had to be like 18 or something. These people, they were kids. They were like 14, 15, 16, 17 enlisting in this war. I don't know how many 14, but you know, like they're, they're still kids. They're not adults. Uh, They have not been able to live outside of like on their own without their parents. They're going to war. Like, of course, this is going to warp your brain and have lifelong effects. So I think it was good that they focused on that. And I'm glad you saw that, Jared. I just found a statistic that Mm. as many as 250,000 men under the age of 18, this is for the British army, but they served in the British army during world war one. So there's a lot, 50,000, a lot of young men that were serving in the, in the war. So, Oh my gosh, that is horrifying. Um, another like for this movie is that this is a pretty unfamiliar cast. And I would say I didn't realize that at all, which is a credit to how good their acting was Mm -hmm. and their performances. This did not seem like a new cast in this movie or a relatively unknown cast in terms of film. Um, but I thought that everybody in this movie does a really solid job. I did too. I didn't know a single one of these people was new. Um, and Daniel, like I said, was the only person I recognized. I just figured it was because, you know, they were trying to get European actors and people that were actually German or around lived around Germany. So I figured that's why I didn't know them. It wasn't because they had a lack of uh, credentials, but they were all very impressive. And I didn't think really the acting, um, I didn't 
notice what I mean by that is there was nothing that I felt was poorly acted. There's not a single scene where I was like, okay, that was ridiculous or I'm uncomfortable. When I see bad acting, I get very uncomfortable. And yeah, I totally agree with you, Jared. It seemed like nobody, nobody seemed like a beginner here. Um, Another like is that we already mentioned this, but it's a good time to kind of revamp and remake this film. So we've already talked about that a little bit, but mm-hmm. there's been enough time that has gone between versions that it makes sense to make a new version of this for people that maybe haven't seen the 1930 version or the 1979 version. So exposing it to a new audience. Yes. Another thing I liked, uh, we've mentioned this in previous movies, and I don't think it's a requirement, but I really liked at the end of this movie that during the end credits, they had information about the war and kind of the outcomes. And one thing I found very interesting, I didn't know, I, I want to, I can't wait to talk to my friend Corbin about it because he's obsessed with wars, um, but it's, he knows a lot about World War One and World War Two, and he has served in our military um, but I didn't realize in World War One how that was not a war about advancement. It was basically all fought within a very, very small space of land and people did not move from that spot. Whereas World War Two, think about invading multiple countries going all over the place. Um, and I know that there were advancements in technology and machinery and stuff at that time, like from World War One to World War Two, but it's crazy when you read the final credits. Um, the end titles or whatever of this film to see how many people died and within this very, very small space. Yeah. So um, another like for me is I really like, this is a spoiler, but I really like how this movie ended um, Mm -hmm. because you are so connected to the main character in this movie, Paul played by Felix um, that how this movie ends is basically Paul and Kat decide they're going to steal. They go to this farm and they're like stealing uh, food from this farm. They decide they're going to steal that one more time. And unfortunately, Kat gets shot by the farmer's son and he dies. But then um, basically they find out that they there's an armistice that's set to take effect at 11 a.m. So they want um, Fredericks wants to end the war with like a victory. So he orders an attack to start at 1045 a.m. So 15 minutes before the armistice happens and the the war is basically or this battle is basically concluded. So, you know, they find out about that and Paul tries to kill as many French soldiers as he can, but then he gets stabbed in the chest by a bayonet just like right before 11 a.m. And you hear the, the bells going off and then, you know, you hear everybody saying ceasefire, it's 11 ceasefire. So I don't know how, how much that lines up with the book or other movie versions of the film, but I just thought that was, a great way to end it um, because you're so connected to the character and it's not a happy ending for the character, but mm-hmm. you're like, man, he was so close. I mean, 30 more seconds, he would have made it. And I think that that was just a really, really well written and well acted in that, in that sequence. So I partially agree with what you're saying and then hardcore okay. disagree with part of it. Okay. I didn't like the choice of the 15 minute thing because I was like, well, this is Hollywood ruining a beautiful literary classic <laughs> just because they can. But the part I really liked that I agree with you with, um, well, the book also doesn't mention how he dies. You just mm-hmm. know he does die. So we're not, who knows, it could have been in the book, theoretically, a bayonet stabbing him in the chest. Um, but what I did really like, I agree with you, is I liked that the ending was you just see him. The camera like zeroes in on him and this other kid that he recently saved from getting killed by another soldier is collecting dog tags so that they can report to the families that their their sons have died. 
Um, and he recognizes him from a few minutes prior when he saved his life. And it's just, it, that was very effective to me, that choice of like how life, how precious it is and how it can end so abruptly. Um, so I agreed with that. I didn't love the 15 minute thing. I was like, this is so dumb. And this didn't happen. Um, but it was a good reminder too of the 11 o'clock thing. I forgot that that was a thing that happened as well. That was true that they did that. And I think it was November 11th at 11 a.m. And that's why we have Armistice Day and Veterans Day are at the November 11th. I should probably double check that, but I'm pretty sure that the 11 o'clock thing was actually factual. So another like for this movie is the cinematography is amazing in this film. This could definitely win Best Cinematography at the Oscars. You've got everything from really big sweeping shots of battles that, you know, there's a ton of action going on. But then sometimes in those battles, they will focus in on Paul and he'll be running down a corridor or in the bunker or something. And the camera is right on him. Um, And then there's like another scene where he gets, I think he gets hit or something. It's kind of similar to the 1917 thing where the camera is like running with him basically or like crawling with him at the same time so uh, the cinematography in this movie is just really great every scene looks really really good and i thought the action sequences the battle sequences in particular were just like stunning to look at oh yeah i i thought the cinematography i'm not someone that i don't think i'm as good at spotting like (laughs) ooh cinematography this i definitely did and i agree with you jared war movies are also not notorious they are famous for winning cinematography as well so i could definitely see that happening also i did fact check and i am on theworldwar.org i was correct um 11 a.m on november 11th however it was 11 a.m french time So very different than us, which is usually about six hours ahead of us. Um, And it says, quote, at 5 a.m. on November 11th, the armistice was agreed upon. Marshal Fox sent word to allied commanders that hostilities will be stopped on the entire front beginning at 11 o'clock, November 11th, unquote. Yeah. So you would think that everybody would just, you know, chill for six Mm -hmm. hours or whatever and call it. Right. Have a nice breakfast. Yeah. They decided. Say a prayer of thanks have one more final battle um, for, you know, 15 minutes. So do you have any other likes before we move on to dislikes? No, but I would like to point out how many likes we had. This was really, this was a standout movie for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this was really good. So um, some dislikes, this does deviate from the book. um, And especially when books are classics, that's Mm -hmm. maybe not the best thing in the world because with the book being so well known and so many people have read it that to change things from it, I can see why you would change certain things. But in other, there's another argument to be said that you should just, you know, make it how the book writes it. Yes. And I, so I put it as a dislike because overall, I don't usually like when they F up a literary classic, especially classics. But I do think in this case, war movies, especially as someone who doesn't always love war movies, I think it's better to get the information out so people can learn about history than to do nothing at all. So I'm okay that they made this movie. The changes that they made because I've read the book and care about the book, I don't love the changes they made. But I don't I don't dock at very many points for that. And overall, I'm glad they made this film because some people are not going to want to read a war book. I will tell you, if you all want to know, the book is not very long. It's like a 200. It's less than 250 pages. So it's actually a pretty short story. 
Okay. And I don't think that's a dislike for me just mm-hmm. because I haven't read the book and I haven't seen the original movie. Yeah. So I went in kind of blind in terms of what the what the yeah. story was. So Mainly that last scene really irked me. And um, okay. I didn't like I also didn't like how Cat was killed um because they basically villainized a kid. Um these are all spoilers. I'm pretty sure people know that at this point. But the child that shoots cat in the woods he's like jared said the son of that farmer but he's like 11 or something for no reason finds him in the wood i mean they're mad but this 11 year old kid comes after him and just shoots him at point blank range and i just thought that's crazy um and it's weird too i thought that the kid ran after him like spent enough time to go find him to then kill him that was like premeditated murder that really bothered me so i those two changes i really didn't like from the book yeah, that was definitely a very like emotional scene too because oh, right before yeah. that he's talking about Christmas and spending time with his wife and his children yes. and how great that's going to be and then unfortunately and Kat, dies. we find out too in the book and the movie Cat is a cobbler he is poor he does not have a lot of money mm-hmm. he's not educated unfortunately but he is so compassionate he's easily the most compassionate kind man of the entire squadron or whatever it is called and we will also find out too that he lost a son um, that I don't remember why that happened, but he had a son that died. So like, you know, he's just experienced loss and seems so excited for this war to be over to be with his family. So that was really gut wrenching that death. And although that death happened and a lot of good men died in the war, I felt like I didn't like that they villainized a kid and that kind of like cheapened it for me. Um, so another dislike for this movie is some of the violence in this movie is definitely hard to watch. Um, there's a couple of scenes that are very difficult to watch. There's one where Paul is laying in this like ravine type thing (sighs) with another soldier and this soldier just, uh, he has to kill him because he's a member of the, you know, the enemy, but he doesn't die. Well, he was about to kill Paul. The French soldier was about to kill Paul. So he he fell. Yeah. Yep. So he has to to kill him, but it's a very slow death, and you can see it takes a, a lot of effect on him mentally in terms of that death. And that was one of the more emotional scenes in the movie. Then there's another scene when a man uh, is laying in this bed recovering from an injury and they're like, you're going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And they get him something to eat and they give him a fork and he stabs himself in the neck with a fork. Repeatedly. kills himself. Yeah. Yep. Like all of a sudden, just instantaneous, one of the most sh- more shocking deaths you probably will see in a movie. So, And I do think, I tried to look that up. I can't remember because it was late at night. I can't remember the answer I found. I do think something like that happens in the book, but it's not that character. Okay. I could be wrong. That, I'm not, I'm not going to fact check that. But people have done that. It was so gruesome. I've already said on this podcast 800 times if someone shoots themselves in the head or anything happens to a neck or a wrist i'm out i can't do it i hate it i hate it um that was really rough especially since i didn't anticipate it um and then the scene yeah the stabbing scene was brutal because i think it was so true to life how that could happen Mm -hmm. because it was like hand-to-hand combat someone's gonna live and someone's gonna die that's just the way it's gonna be but also, when you get stabbed, you can live a long time after you've been stabbed. And the gurgling sounds, the blood. He then tried to drown him. He, like, mm-hmm. Paul yep. tried to do multiple things. Then he immediately had mercy and he wanted to pray for him and he tried to give him water. I mean, it was 
such a mess. So awful to watch. And the sounds, especially the gurgling. It was too much for me. Anyway, I thought they did a fantastic job with those scenes, but they were a bit too gruesome for me. Um, And that also, again, if you're going to have things that are extremely violent, that does cut down the audience that can see it. Um, But again, this is a war movie. So kind of for me, anything goes, but those scenes were very hard to watch. So it's, it's not for everybody. Um, Another, I guess, sort of dislike, although this is not a huge dislike for me is that, it's not a feel-good movie, and you yeah. know kind of going in that it's not going to be. It's not going to be a uplifting, heartwarming story like maybe sure. Top Gun Maverick or something else that you know we've seen recently that was like very joyful, Marcel the Shell with shoes on or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah. It's kind of the complete opposite of that movie. Um, but you know that could be a turnoff for if you're looking for a happy movie to watch. You know maybe it's a Friday night and you've worked the whole week and you're like, yeah, it's the weekend and you turn this on. Don't prepare to, you know, you're not going to laugh or smile a lot in this particular movie. Yeah. And this is, I also don't really dock at points for this. It's more like, I want people to know this is, this is not your, well, I do want people to know this isn't, you're not left with an uplifting feeling. There isn't really a good ending to this. I don't know that they're supposed to be. War is bad. I mean, wars don't end well anyway, regardless, because of loss of human life and everything else. Um, But it's definitely not a feel good movie. And I don't dock at points for being truthful and talking about war. But I do always consider things like rewatchability and how entertaining. And so this is definitely not one I could watch all the time, even if I wanted, because it's just too, too depressing. Okay, are we ready to give our scores for this movie? Yes, and I know you're first. Okay, yes, I am first. This was in my top 10 of 2022. Oh, I forgot. It looks like, I'm looking up right now, came in at number eight on the list. So definitely one that I enjoyed in 2022. I'm going to give this a 92 out of 100. Um, This is a really solid movie. This is very well made, very well acted entertaining the whole time. And the other thing we didn't really mention is that when a movie is in a different language or if you have to read subtitles, it's got to, you know, because there's a higher level of commitment from you as the viewer, it's got to really capture your attention to keep you, especially when you're watching it at your house, to keep you off your phone, to keep you from doing other things. And this movie definitely did. I was not on my phone during this. I was just sitting there watching it, um, enjoying what was what was happening and really captivated by the performances and, and the and the story. Yeah, now I'm I'm really sad too because now that you mentioned that, I don't think I can put this on my top movies for this year because it came out in 2022. Because I was yeah, already I think, thinking, I bet this is going to be in my top ten. It's um, like I couldn't put Women Talking on my top ten, oh, but I would have last week probably. So yeah, yeah. After I saw it, yeah. Dang! So. Wow, <laughs> what a bummer. We set up those rules <laughs> and they led to our demise. But um, anyway. <laughs> I, Jared, I put my score up before we started recording and I also did 92. Okay. So I completely agree with you. I, I don't know that this will be my favorite movie of the year and obviously I can't score it that way, but this, I thought this movie was pretty exceptional. There were so few things I didn't like about it. Ultimately, I just didn't like the changes from the book very much. Um, and I think it's just not a rewatchable movie and it is graphically violent. And I think that that's understandable in a war movie especially but that's that's hard to watch no matter who you are and no matter what the content is that's difficult 
So that's our thoughts on All Quiet on the Western Front. And you can follow the show on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram. Search it on Facebook. And also follow us on Letterboxd. Our Letterboxd profiles are in the description for the show in whatever app you're listening in. So you can just click on there and get our Letterboxd profile. See what else we're watching that we're maybe not reviewing for the podcast. And then on our next episode, continuing our Best Picture nominee series, we've got two left that we need to get in before the Academy Awards coming up in the middle of March. And the next one is another movie that is in a different language, and that is Triangle of Sadness. So this one, the Palme d'Or at Cannes, and I believe this is more of a comedy. So I think it's like a dark comedy. I have not heard that this is enjoyable, uh, mm-hmm. but I've only heard from a couple people. I did not know it was in another language. Thank you for the heads up. Um, it actually might be in English now that I'm looking at this. Oh, Sorry, okay. I thought it was That's in another fine. language, but maybe it's not. So apologies yeah, but for that. We'll so. see. I'm going in with an open mind. I just I saw I also saw the movie poster for it and I was like, this looks uh maybe not like my favorite, but we'll see. Because yeah, someone's we'll see vomiting how it is. on the movie yeah. poster. Yeah. Yeah. So uh we'll see how it is. It's got nominated for for best picture. So yeah. we're gonna it's gotta have something. Ch- check it out so got an eight minute standing ovation at con so yeah. um but blonde also got a standing ovation at con so also i don't think someone's standing there i heard somebody <laughs> talking about this too i don't think someone's standing there with the stopwatch timing the ovation so i think no. they're kind of like it was long and then they just put a number on it also eight minutes do you know yeah. how long eight minutes is to stand there and they just said blonde got like 12 and i was like yeah. there is no way in hell blonde got a 12 minute standing ovation it was the worst film whatever i don't need yeah, to talk I mean, about I that saw, movie anymore it's old news i saw hamilton not the broadway production but yeah, like you know but touring still, and we did not clap for eight minutes 12, after yeah. it was over I mean, yeah let's let's be real people <laughs> but i do take the palm door seriously mm-hmm. um yeah. which means golden palm by the way everyone oh, um nice. But that I would I respect that. I mean, usually there's there's something to that. If they give that, it's it might be an artsy film, but it's usually worth its salt. So we'll see about this one. Yeah. So next episode, Triangle of Sadness. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.